you know when like, you play a flute and like trolls come out? <laughs> Maybe that's like what his voice was. Do you think was. they summoned? They summoned yeah. Bob. <laughs> yeah, his voice. The the like pitch. He, like of if, his voice. If they would have panned back a little bit, it would have been him crawling to pull the plug out of the amplifier. Fellas, <laughs> <laughs> don't drink that coffee. start welcome back dallas hi well welcome back it's been a solid chunk of time since we've done this yes but to be fair i have really only been on two other podcasts since the last one we recorded so it's not just this one they've all taken a hit but it was it wasn't just you it was me (laughs) i this was a i picked a bad year to start this I'm sorry, everyone. I I moved twice, and now we're like remodeling our house, the whole thing. Yeah. And so it's just it just was you know it's really inconvenient to my podcasting, but um we we press on, you know what I mean? We press like, on. Where I'm not I'm not gonna let it completely stop us. It, it can and has slowed us down, but we will not stop. No, we're like um we're like uh, what do they call those things? Trains. Yes. We've come to a crossroad. We've come to a crossing, and we got to slow down so we make sure we don't hit traffic. But then, but, we gotta, uh, then we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. I'm going to stop till we get our destination, which is the end of season two. Thanks for coming back to our train podcast. So today we're going to talk about steam trains. <laughs> Wait, I just heard Magorny. Hold on. <laughs> That's a joke for no one. Um, uh, everyone listening to this probably got that. But you know what? You bring up a good point. No, there, there's a goal. You know, um, something happened since the last time we podcast, and uh, that's that Mark Frost released what is the first official Twin Peaks edition to the Twin Peaks universe in this book that he put out um, called The Secret History of Twin Peaks. And so, you know, there's stuff to, there's stuff to get to. We, we got to get through the season. We got to get to the book before... Season three comes out next year, so we have goals. We have goals. I don't know if we're going to make or hit any of them, but we well, can. We can. We can, we can talk do about it. them. We can talk about the goals. We can do it. No, okay. I mean we can. Next week, I, I know I can record next week, so that's good. We don't need to that's... tell everyone how behind the scenes, but let's just say yes. <laughs> Real behind the scenes. We look. don't need to pull back the curtain into how we schedule this thing. Okay. All right. All right. Let's get. Let's just dive in. We we had a uh, a fun time with our friend John Lorenz on the last uh, episode, which was the season two premiere that we split up mm-hmm. into two parts that ended up. We talked about it for about eight hours. Yeah, and he will. So, and he will not be back. because <laughs> <laughs> uh, he doesn't want to talk to us anymore after that. No, no, no. He um, definitely will be back. <laughs> no, we'd love to have John back. That was really fun. Um, but we're back. We're back into season two. This is season two, episode two, otherwise known as Coma, um, which is an absolute. It's an aptly titled one. It's not some like you know, Chalupas Forever, like some weird thing where you're like, what does that have to do? 
Is that Wait. is that another episode in season two? Chalupa's Chilup- forever. Chalupa's forever is the season finale, the series I'm gonna, finale. I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna bet that's based on Nadine. <laughs> she uh, invents. Yeah. She gives up on the drape runners and invents the chalupa. It's one of the <laughs> best. One of the best arcs. One of the tastiest arcs of all time. Of all time. Um, so this is uh, this is season two, episode two. Um, this was written by Harley Payton, who wrote, uh, you will remember he wrote the Emmy nominated, uh, funeral episode that was, I think it was called rest in pain that I don't think you liked very much. Mm. Um, a lot of people don't, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you, you go, you go ahead. I was just gonna, a lot of people don't know, uh, Peyton Manning's dad. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. But oddly enough, not Eli Manning's dad. No, that's Archie. They're, a lot of people know that. Yeah, yeah. they're not actually related. Hmm. They're it's not a, related. It, that's a joke that the NFL has been playing, and no one, no one's actually like, no one's told Eli that he's not his actual brother. You can sense it when you see him in commercials. Like you yeah. can sense the hatred that they have for each other. Yeah, because uh, obviously Harley was such a better dad. <laughs> um, that goes without saying. If you, especially if you see well, this episode, Ar- Archie Manning never won an Emmy. No, or, or pardon me, was never nominated for one. I don't think he was. I, you know what's funny is I, I've never even seen him at the Emmys. Yeah, so he, there's he that. Should, he should have been the way he threw that football. Was he a quarterback? I don't know. Archie, yeah, for the yeah. New Orleans Saints. <laughs> That's not a real team that you're just talking about right now. That's not a thing. <laughs> um, they were whipped away in that hurricane. So he wrote this one, and uh, but this was directed by David Lynch. So this is, I think. I think this is the only time where Lynch comes in back to back and directs. And I, I think that the, the feeling here was like he directed two episodes in the first season and then he went off to make Wild at Heart, which is a fantastic movie starring Nick Cage. Um, and then, you know, over that summer, Twin Peaks was this big thing. Lynch is on the cover of Time magazine. I think this, the thought was like he wanted to kind of come back and take ownership of this show again. So he directs the first two of the second season. Um, and he doesn't disappoint. I like this episode. I'm excited to talk to you about it. So, Oh yeah. All right. Or I was, <laughs> um, it opens up, uh, at the great Northern where many of the episodes of twin peaks do open. And, uh, we've got Albert and Cooper at the breakfast table having a nice breakfast. And Coop is, uh, waxing poetic about the, people of tibet and the history of tibet and there's a barbershop quartet smoking cigarettes and not singing but like humming the whole time for like six minutes did you notice this i didn't of course i noticed it (laughs) (laughs) i feel like you like this episode because this has all the lynch moments that you would want Sans a sans a little person. Like everything shows up but a little person. It's got it's a it's got the whole thing. There's the like really silly stuff. Sometimes it's a little too silly. Yeah. Um, there's Barbershop Quartet was I didn't hear them humming. Um and but you know, I I couldn't listen very loud I was asleep, but I didn't hear them humming, but they were just staring none of them were looking at each other. They were all heavily smoking. Yeah. And all had like either leaning on each other or had an arm around the other one. Yeah. It was, uh, and leaning is a table too. They're, they're standing yeah. on a table. Yeah. They're like, they get their legs up on the chairs. It's really fun. never, never referenced. 
No, it's not, and I it's not in the script apparently. So this is something that Lynch is like, I need a barbershop quartet. Um, <laughs> it's a great, it's a great thing. It's uh, a f- it's a fun little Easter egg. It is. I think it was what the kids call it. I think I think you're right. So um, Cooper is uh, you're talking about Tibet. Albert could care less, um, and Cooper's then kind of tries to segue into how Ronette is awake, which we know now because that really great, creepy end of of the last episode. Um, so she's awake, but she's not talking. She's in shock. And then, um, uh, Albert then reads, uh, the coroner's report on Jacques Renault. And there's (laughs) this great kind of like, he drops over like a monstro joke, (laughs) a, a, uh, a Pinocchio joke about how his stomach, Contents revealed, you know, like a goat and a small wooden boy who goes by the name of Pinocchio. Um, it makes me laugh that <laughs> that whole thing. It was a good interaction. Albert yeah. was great in this episode. I love Albert. It, it seems like uh, uh, Peyton Manning's dad is really good at writing for Albert. Uh, that seems to be one of one of his uh, strongest assets as a writer. Um, but anyway, they're they're kind of going through some exposition, uh, talking about how uh, Jacques died. The killer used a pillow. Cooper wants to know who shot him, and uh, Albert doesn't really have any answers. He's interviewing hotel guests. He makes some funny references to the old guy. He calls him Senor Drool Cup, which is really funny. Um, but there's no no answers there, and. Um, he transitions to saying he's not just back to tell Coop the things he's told him, but he's also there to tell him that his uh, that Wyndham Earl is has gone missing. And do you know who that that is? Have they mentioned him up to this point? So the name sounded familiar when they said it, but not familiar enough where I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, so we, I think this is the first time he's mentioned, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it could have um, been. His old partner who was in a mental... Uh, facility has escaped uh, and the way that Coop reacts and Albert's talking about it, this is kind of serious. Um, so the last thing in that scene is they pan over and we see the guy who had called for Josie uh, with the ponytail, kind of keeping an eye on Coop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. The brother from uh, from Best of the Best. Is that really true? Is that Oh, no, no, no. Oh, he just looks like him? Just looks like it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Day on. The next scene is, this is very uh, David Lynch. Um, we know that Donna took over for Laura's Meals on Wheels route to try to kind of find out information as to, you know, she's investigating uh, on her own. Kind of with Audrey, like, the, remember that scene in the bathroom where they're, like, trying to you know, figure out what's going on here. So she decides she's going to look into Meals on Wheels. She takes over a route and she delivers food to uh, this woman named Mrs. Tremond. And so she's in this, uh, she's in bed and her grandson is just sitting there in the chair. And this is a really strange scene. Um, she asked her to like look at the food and she says 
do you see cream corn on that plate? And she says, yeah. She says, I asked for no cream corn. And then she looks again and she says, do you, do you see cream corn? And the cream corn is gone. And then it's in the grandson's hands. And then see, she... Okay, I totally missed that. That's funny. Wait, what did you miss? The cream corn part. Okay, this is like, yeah. It's How not really It's not very missable. So he's holding the cream corn in his hands. And then, I didn't... So keep going. Do you remember this scene at all? Yeah, yeah, I remember the kid, of course. So it's like the cream corn is not on the plate. It's in his hands. And then she says... My grandson is studying magic. And it's like, oh, cool. Uh, that okay, okay. that explains why there was cream corn on the plate and now it's in his hands and now it's gone. Like, did you ever have a magic kit when you were a kid? Um, no, but I did have a lot of cream corn. <laughs> so. But like, I love how Don is just like, oh, he's studying magic. That explains why. The physical properties of time and space and cream corn no longer apply. And I'm not like crapping my pants and running out of your house. Have you ever watched America's Got Talent? <laughs> Sometimes they have kid magicians on there and they would blow your mind. So can you do you guess do you, do you know whose kid this is? Could you guess whose kid this was? I'm gonna guess it's Mark Frost's kid. No. One more time. In, like on the show or in real life? In real life. Um, he looks exactly like him. David Lynch? Yes, it's David Lynch's kid. It looks like a mini David Lynch. Really? I didn't yeah. see that. Uh, you, didn't well, see, watch, you, didn't, you didn't even watch this scene if you don't remember like any of it. No, I didn't watch the episode. But you've seen... <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but you, you've, you've grown up with David Lynch, though. Like David Lynch, to me, is like old, you know... Like last maybe decade of David Lynch is what is my visual of him. Since, so since the the app the Apple uh, iPhone commercial, <laughs> oh, that's that's, the best. that's your David Lynch. Um, Can't anyway, watch a movie on your phone. Anyway, so kind of a creepy scene. This grandmother grandson cream corn. Just you know, cream corn is going to be mentioned again in this show. Uh, so pay attention. Next time you see Mrs. Tremont and her grandson, uh, it's important. Um, so she says um, stuff we already know, like, you know, who are you? She's like, oh, I'm taking over Laura. She says she died. He, Donna asks, did you know her? She says, no, but you should ask Mr. Smith, who lives next door. They were friends. And then the little kid says in French, I am a lonely soul, which I had to look up. Um, we don't necessarily know at the time who he's talking about, but I did want to let you and our, our four listeners know, uh, what he, what he said. Um, but it's a really, I I speak magician. So I knew what he said. (laughs) She leaves and and he goes, uh, something like she seems like a very nice girl. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. As if like English is not like his first language, the way this kid talks. Um, Anyway, very unnerving, very Lynch. Uh, maybe you need to watch this one again to catch. No, the no, I got, thing. I got it. I, I don't need to watch it again. So Donna leaves and goes to knock on Mr. Smith's door. Uh, he doesn't answer, so she leaves a note. 
And as she's leaving, we see the window. He kind of opens the window and then closes it. So uh, we don't know what's happening there. Mr. Smith, who is this? Um, <clears throat> is, he, is, everybody... is, is he a magician? Is there? I mean, is it like a whole community Ooh, of, ma- of magicians? It could be. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> Maybe he was one of the members of the quartet. He could have been. You, we don't know. We don't know. Um, so this next scene is starts out with uh, more more very Lynch. Uh, they're at the hospital and uh, in Runette's room, and they can't figure out how the chairs work. So that's probably my favorite scene of the episode. It's, fa- it's fantastic because <laughs> it's like that. I think it's when there are those few times where I think Lynch hits like the right, the perfect note. Yes. Of comedy, and like that was one of those moments. Yes, and this not isn't, too wacky, no. not too like yeah. just yeah. it's showers just right. Like yeah, um, exactly. he, I, this is also had to have been him at the last moment because it, it's not in the script, um, and it's just perfect how long it goes to. It's like the perfect length. Um, them trying to figure out how to get the stools to uh, raise or lower. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, but the reason they're there is to show her the sketches of uh, Leo and then also of uh, Sarah Palmer's vision of Bob. So she, they show her Leo and, um, you know, she kind of shakes her head no. And then there's a really kind of unnerving thing where it's her vision's blurry the way they do the camera. And then she focuses in and it's Bob and she starts freaking out and she's saying train. Um, mm-hmm. so obviously this is, uh, stirring up some emotion in, so poor... she was saying train. Yes. Okay. Yes. I didn't know if, if Cooper maybe misheard her because he wanted to hear that, but yes, okay. I, I am pretty sure she's saying train. Uh, if I'm wrong, I apologize, but I think that's what she's saying. And I think that I, I think that I looked that up. She's saying train. Okay. Um, we're off to back to the great Northern where the Horn brothers are sitting by a fireplace eating a, Smoked pig, cheese pig, um, something that we've all done. Yeah, man, I, this is like the lynch. These, this is these are the lynch moments where I'm just like, uh. yeah, I, I was, I was also a little like this scene is kind of a bummer because I also don't quite understand. I don't remember them getting the ledgers, and it seems like it's a little ahead of it. Like they haven't, they don't own the mill yet. You know, like Catherine is, is you know burned or whatever we don't know what happened to her but like Josie would have to sell they even say Pete has to agree to sell so why how do they get the ledgers I don't remember them getting that yeah I don't remember it either but like I I wasn't as distracted by that as I was just like I'm really starting to get out on that little horn brother yeah I hate his character. He gets more and more ridiculous I, every I, time he jumps on screen. The, he has a couple moments in this episode that I like, but like this it ends with like the marshmallows thing. It's just like too much. Yeah, um, it's kind of dumb. It is kind of dumb. So let's move on. Um, <laughs> and then more kind of like it's just a little too dumb is there at the double R and Andy just has tape all over his face. It's just like yeah. sometimes the show is just too silly. You know, yeah. I love Andy, but like, there's a few moments in this episode that I don't like because I don't feel like Andy is as is as dumb as they make him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. where it goes a little too far and it's not quite like believable. 
Do you think it was Lynch going, just put tape on your face? Pro- probably. And you know what? What's great is like, I'm sure, you know, some of this stuff that's like last minute, it, it works out. Some of it is just doesn't hold up. But, you know, he takes chances and we are kind of <laughs> left to sit. <laughs> chances are a way to describe that. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. But this scene is great after that because uh, the log lady comes in and sits and orders a bear claw. Well, Just, he also says in that scene that the baby can't be his. No, no, we're not there yet. Oh, sorry. Okay. That's okay. That's all right. Um, that's the next scene. Cause he comes in with tape on his face. Cause that's where he was out doing. He was out and he's taping up photos of Bob on like, that's what he's doing. Um, so, but this is great. Cause I, to, to me, these are like two of my favorite characters. Uh, the log lady sits next to major Briggs um, and they start talking, but not before Norma grills, uh, Margaret, which is her first name about not spitting her gum out, um, on the table. And so then she starts, uh, the log lady starts asking about his uniform and, um, and then they talk about the log and she says, my log has a message. I think she says, do you understand it or can you hear it? And he says, no, ma'am, I cannot. And she says, I'll translate. And she says, deliver the message. And then I think she asked, do you understand what that means? He says, as a matter of fact, I do. Um, it's a cool little scene. It's not very long, but I like the two of them and it's fun when I see them both in the same scene. Hmm. Okay. This is, uh, originally there was a longer scene here. Um, see, I think you like, sorry, I think you liked a log lady and I could, I could like, I think that, I'm trying to figure out, like, because you and John both talk about the log lady a lot. Yeah. And it's not that I think that, like, I get her character in the show and that she's kind of crazy or whatever. But, like, I don't know. I can't really get behind her. Maybe you have to, like, unfortunately, maybe you have to absorb the show as a whole. Because there's more scenes with her. So maybe for me it's a hindsight thing where, like, I have seen the entirety of her character and there are moments coming up that endeared me to her that you haven't seen yet. I don't remember though. I can't Mm -hmm. separate that. My experience from where you're at. Um, but anyway, this is important because we'll, we'll find out later that Briggs does indeed deliver the message. Um, and so, um, anyway, there was, I, it's just worth noting to people who've seen the show, the scene was originally longer. There was a scene with Leland and Maddie um, at the diner where Leland asks Maddie like to stay, like says, you know, if you, you don't want to go home, you're welcome to stay with Sarah and I. And um, then there's a, also a scene where like with Hank and Norma, where he like buys her a car, which is kind of weird. Because um, oh. like Hank's back. So is Hank like, hey, cool. Yeah. Did you just buy my wife a car? This might have been why they cut that out. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have seen the car salesman character, though. <laughs> That's kind of a bummer. <laughs> no, I think he just shows up in the car. He already bought the car. Oh, well, that's too bad. I don't, think, I don't think he like takes her to the Buick dealership. No, the missed opportunity. Season three. Okay. Um, <laughs> So the next scene reminds me, like, so the that's the fly in the 
in the office in the sheriff's office mm-hmm. and it's kind of stupid but the like the sound effect of the death of the fly is actually kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, my thought was at least it's not like a whole episode of this, right? Breaking Bad fans. Did you watch Breaking Bad? Yeah, yeah. There's a there's like a whole hour where it's just that, right? Do you remember that one? I think so. It's when they, isn't it when like they, they're in the big yes. drug making factory? And they factory? have to like, there can't be any contamination. Yeah, so they yeah, spend yeah. like the whole hour... So it's like as annoying as this is in retrospect, like it's not as bad as it could have been. Yeah, um, I got and it. the whole time Andy's pacing back and forth because he's got some news to deliver, um, and he does. And this is what I was saying. I, it, I don't feel like Andy is this dumb because there's a line about how this he goes to the sperm bank, something about how he likes whales. It's like okay, yeah. I it's not it's too much. It's a little heavy-handed, and then, um, but the point of it is that Andy find, finds out that he's sterile, um, which I the line about I thought that means I didn't have to take a bath, which that's funny, um, <laughs> but I love the line where he says, "I can't, you know, basically I can't have babies, so why are you having one and how?" <laughs> I think it's really great. <laughs> it's so well said. Um, yeah, and maybe that's they just made him so dumb just to like how he delivers that line is just perfect uh but lucy does not want to talk about it and she shuts slams the glass in his face poor andy yeah seriously how Um, can you cheat on andy i know everyone cheats on everyone in the show but andy i thought was immune sterile there you go (laughs) thank you you're Um, welcome maybe the uh the sperm whale line is stupid but the uh the next joke, which is the the buck stopped here, is a fantastic joke. Um, that's on uh, Sheriff Truman's wall. Was that deer the the buckhead and that that plaque underneath that says the buck stopped here? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's great. Uh, made me <laughs> made me really happy. <laughs> um, it's totally like a, it's like a Bass Pro Shops joke. Yes, totally. Um, <laughs> but Hank Hank's there. Uh, He's got to check in. He's on parole, right? So um, it's kind of his uh, weekly thing. And there's just this kind of like, you know, you can tell Hank and Truman hate each other. Yeah. Um, And I think we kind of maybe find out a little bit why in that Truman says, you know, Hank used to be a bookhouse boy. He said he was one of the best of us. And so it seems like maybe at some point there was some kind of betrayal um, Mm -hmm. between the two of them. But uh, the the next part of this is interesting. Where after Hank has left, Ben Horn calls to tell um, Harry that Audrey's missing, and he's drinking wine. Which I was like, "What? What do you? What kind of bottle do you open when your daughter goes missing? Like something dry?" Or <laughs> <laughs> what you know, is... I, I'll, I'm gonna guess a mixed red. Like I get, I would maybe get like whiskey from a bottle, but like let's pop a Merlot and, and put out a missing persons. But do you think he really cares? I don't know, man. I don't think he does. He's not, uh, a, he's not a very good guy. Is he? He's not a very active father. Yeah. And he doesn't, every time he talks about her, he always like, it's like, don't ruin things for me. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't think he's a good dad. I don't yeah. think he cares. I think he's just like, she's missing. I should call him and tell them when he's not like Maria. Um, Maria is not missing. Maria is in his heart always. 
<laughs> this is probably why he's drinking. Probably. Um, Somehow he survived. So the next thing uh, is uh, we're back and I guess we're back right back to his office because uh, Jer, his brother Jer, brings in. Uh, so there was that scene with the insurance agent where they were trying to get her to sign that policy, which I'm guessing would have given Josie a bunch of money that she didn't sign. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so um, that's when Leland comes in and what this is all like kind of coincidental where they're they're about to make this phone call that Leland comes in and says they should do. Um, but the fact is Leland's already made this call to tell the Icelanders about the fire. And, uh, so the Horn brothers are kind of doing damage control, um, because Leland has kind of gone, uh, above and beyond the call of duty and has kind of gotten these guys in trouble. And so, but Leland's very pleased with himself that he had the foresight to call and tell them about the fire. But you can tell Mm -hmm. that the Icelanders are a little concerned. Um, Einer is the guy they're talking to. And it made me think that if you have another kid ever, you should name him or her Einer. <laughs> Einer? Einer McLaughlin. It doesn't sound bad altogether. No, it means um, uh, smoked pig cheese. Well, what's funny about that is McLaughlin actually means Icelandic. Cream corn? <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is the moment where Leland sees the, the, have you seen this man, um, sketch Mm. while they're the Horn brothers on the phone. And he says, I know that man. And he walks over there, he grabs the paper and he says, uh, something about his grandfather's summer house on Pearl Lakes. He lived next door. I was just a boy, but I know him. And it's interesting because like Leland's got to be in his forties, right? Yeah. So he's like, how does, he, how does he know this guy? It, from from the way we've seen him, Bob doesn't look like he's any, you know, we it's h- kind of hard to age him because he's got long hair. But it that seems weird. Um, uh, I guess, but I could see the guy being old, older, older than older than we would think. <clears throat> We're talking about Eskimo Joe, right? Eskimo Joe. Yeah. yeah, I think he looks older. Yeah. Than we think. Um, but there's Jerry has a. Oh, it's actually, this is Ben's line where when, when Leland leaves, he says, I got to go tell the sheriff. And he says, Jerry, please kill Leland. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I also feel that way. Um, but then Jerry has the great line and I thought of you, which is, he says, is this real or some strange and twisted dream, which was your theory about the second season of Twin Peaks. See, look at that. Hmm. I'm starting to it wasn't my I'm theory about the second season of Twin Peaks. Oh, no, it is because it he gets is, shot. Because he gets shot. Yeah, that's right. I'm starting to think like you might be right. I know. But this is where I wrote down, it's like seriously, what the F is Jerry wearing? It look, There's like a bow tie that has a bracelet hanging from it. Like yeah. He, like he looks like he got shoved in a dryer with my grandma's purse. Like... And then came out with just like, what happened to you? There's like jewelry in all these weird random places. And he's got his flip up sunglasses on. It's. He looks like he walked out of like every spin doctor's record. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It's not a good look. It's just funny. (laughs) Is it funny? Like when I see things like that, that's makes me question like who is making this decision? (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and who thought like, yeah, no, this will be good. Cause because I, then I go, no, it's not. Like, is, I don't, I hate this. I hate I, the I made, I made a point early, like maybe first show how like they make these characters so eccentric and unique that you kind of remember them. But sometimes mm-hmm. it's a little bit too much. I think maybe in this episode with Jerry, it's it might be too much. Yeah, I uh, agree. So the next scene is this is where we get the namesake of this episode. And that it's kind of a drag is that Leo's in a coma. You think it's a drag? I miss Leo. Oh, man, I loved seeing him lay there with that ponytail. <laughs> it's great. Okay, a couple things. Shelly's sad. Like, what's wrong with Shelly? This is such a big win for her. Why is she sad? But it looks like she's just acting sad. And then the other thing I wrote down was that Leo's chest hair is raging. <laughs> like, and this might explain some stuff. Like, dude has, it looks like a forest. Mm-hmm. The Cure impressed. album, yeah. I was impressed. No, he definitely, like, he, I mean, he was just... So manly laying there on the table. Maybe that's why Shelly was bummed. Maybe she was like looking at the man and she was like, oh, I don't get that man anymore. Yeah. Like that? I don't get the, I don't get to rub through that chest hair? I don't know, man. I, I worry about Shelly. <laughs> now? Just now? Just always. Yeah, um, I've been worrying about her since episode two. We're going to change the name of this podcast to Worrying About Shelly. <laughs> I'm worried. Probably get more listeners. We're, call it, we're worried about Shelly. Um, we're worried about Shelly. So the next the next scene's really small. It's just uh, someone calling Lucy, and we get we just hear it from her end. And they won't they won't give a name. They want to talk to the sheriff, but they won't say who they are. And I don't think we f- we find out who it is uh, in this episode. No, we don't. And I don't remember if we find out later. Anyway, it's just worth noting. And maybe next episode I'll I'll remember or we'll figure out what it is. Um, we're we're at One Eye Jacks. This is uh, a kind of a freaky weird scene uh Mm -hmm. so emery Battis, who we know was the guy who worked at horn's department store who hired laura and renette and he hired audrey uh is this is his thing he's tied up um he is having his toenails painted and there's a chick with a vacuum um and then there's ice cubes on the way so like this seems like they just put a bunch of things into a hat and picked them out as to like what his, what his kink, what his thing is. Like, yeah. Like uh, with the vacuum, that's not mm. a thing. Is that a thing? Well, it felt like it, the only thing I could put together is that somehow he had like this housewife fetish. <laughs> but like but, it didn't make sense that he toes, wouldn't be participating. His toes are being painted. And then like the ice cubes. What what are the what happens to the ice cubes? Well, I'm just this is me just spitballing, okay. I'm I'm not sure, but I honestly think the ice cubes were to eat. <laughs> you know, some people enjoy you know get he a cup, you know, her, a soda. He goes, Frosty, is that you? I feel a cold front coming in. Oh God, no! What does oh. he do with the ice cubes? Yeah. Okay. Well, do we have an explicit rating on our podcast? Because <laughs> uh, I have some we're thoughts. We're about to get one. <laughs> um, let's move on because I'm going to barf all over my computer that's about to break. Anyway, Audrey grabs the ice cubes. She then grabs uh, a piece of cord and wraps around his neck because she's going to get some answers. 
And these are the answers she gets. Her dad owns um, One-Eyed Jacks. He recruited Laura. Laura worked one weekend but was using drugs. She got kicked out. Laura knew that Ben owned it and uh, Ben owned One-Eyed Jacks. And uh, he ends on Laura always got her way just like you. So um, there we go. Audrey now knows what we know that her dad is kind of a bad dude. Well, I mean, she almost slept with him in the last episode, so... So she, she was kind of onto it. Yeah, I feel like bit. she had to be onto it a little bit. Yeah, perhaps. Um, we're off to Bobby and Shelly land, which uh, I think that... I was thinking maybe if they need, like, a celebrity couple name. Do you think it should be Shelby? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that works. Bolly is probably weird. But yeah, bel- Belly. Belly. <laughs> No, Shelby's good. Shelby's, I think Shelby's where it's at. Yeah, Shelby's a good one. I'm yeah. just so happy that they're happy. So they like turn on the like rockabilly station that no one has ever listened to while making out, um, or, or has ever been a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you can tell me the last time you were cruising through the radio stations and, and you found happened upon a rockabilly. And it wasn't 91X playing Stray Cats. This was, you know, Washington, rural Washington in the late 80s, I guess. Yeah. Prime rockabilly real estate. Yeah, I don't know. Um, So these two, Leo's got a plan to keep Leo home to get disability. Um, You know, hey, these two, it seems like a great plan. I mean, we know that these two have like, they have like a 10-day history of making great choices. So, um... Again, though, growing up somewhat in the Midwest, which again feels very similar to uh, to this place, definitely sounds like something that happens quite often <laughs> in the Midwest. Sure, except like they know that Leo's like a, a homicidal maniac. So in a coma, bro. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it seems like a great idea. Um, it, one thing kind of disturbed me is like. You know, they're about to make out, and he's like, that's why I've got my dad's car. And I was like, come on, man, that's Major Briggs' car. He fu- he's fighting for his country, and this is what how you're going to repay him? Wait, what? They're making out in the car? Yeah, that's his dad. He's like, yeah, I got my dad's car tonight. That's not that yeah, that's... Like, I thought it was disrespectful. Nah, that's great. <laughs> it's Major Briggs' car, man. <clears throat> Major Briggs is an asshole. He is not. He's an, All right. He's an American. He's a man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, the hey, next... Hey, hold on. Hold, hold there for one okay. second. Was that a foghorn? Now, all of America knows that you oh. make your... You, everyone Everyone now knows you make your wife dinner. Dude, don't be a jerk, bro. Sorry. Erase that. Dude, erase <clears throat> it. I, I have to do the same thing. Um... So, all right. So that was uh, Bobby. That was Shelby. Shelby forever. Shelby um, forever. Do you need to go put something in the microwave or can we keep going? Uh, I don't know how far away she is, so we can keep going. <laughs> um, so Cooper's uh, in the Great Northern talking to Diane. And uh, <clears throat> he mentions that Earl, Wyndham Earl's vanished. His former partner, he says it's extremely troubling, which I think we kind of got the vibe earlier. But he, then he starts talking about Audrey. He's kind of sweet on Audrey, you can tell. And he's 
says he finds himself thinking of the content of her smile, mm. um, which he's such a smoothie, Cooper. So then Briggs shows up. Uh, and the first thing I think about, like, does he know about his car? How did he get there? Um, well, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, does he know that his son has his <clears throat> car and he's, like, doing things in it? Like, stuff? Well, listening to Rockabilly, if that's what you mean. <laughs> like, he's potentially having premarital? Potentially, but, I mean, not really, because isn't Shelly married? I guess you're right. So that's only, that's like fa marital. Um, so he goes on to say, you know, he's like, he works, he can't talk about what he does, but what he can say is part of his job is he monitors deep space for, you know, whatever signals, signs, information. Mostly what they get is space garbage, except that he did get, uh, something came up uh, and he says Thursday night, late Friday morning and Cooper says that's the time I was shot and it's the owls are not what, what they seem. Uh, and later in that morning, Cooper, Cooper, Cooper. Um, so these two things are, you know, we know that, that the giant showed up and gave him the whole, the owls are not what they seem mm-hmm. line. Um, mm-hmm. Cooper, Cooper, Cooper is a little bit more kind of like, what does that mean? Except that that Cooper asked him, why did you bring this to me? He says, well, this is why. Um, I was thinking like a lot of good deep spaces, like those guys couldn't warn him about like Bobby in his car, you know, like if he's like Cooper, Cooper, Cooper. And then like three lines later, like your son is rounding third base in your Buick. Yeah. I mean, I, I I honestly, I think major Briggs is on board with this. (laughs) I think it's probably one of the few things as a father that he has a connection with his son, you know, he's yeah, like, take a car out, he's like, son. Look at, look at all this space garbage. He's like, Oh wait, actually Cooper, I missed one here. <laughs> it says my son is getting down and dirty in the back of my Chevy. I'm surprised I didn't mention anything about rockabilly. A lot of, a lot of, of good, a lot of good alien, you know, alien signals are, they can't warn you about the important stuff. Then what can they warn you about? Yeah, I I feel like this was a big. There's two there's two moments of the episode where I was like, oh no, and this was one of them. Okay, have we or gotten to, like, have we gotten okay. to the other one? No, yet? we haven't. But I was like, well, is the show just taking a big turn, and I'm gonna hate it? So what what about this? Did you hate like because I there's I'm, like aliens now involved, and that all well, this. Well, they didn't revol- say they didn't say aliens. You just said well, there was a sign from deep space. Something's involved from deep space, and somehow it all ro- rotates around Laura Palmer's death. Like I'm just like, all ah, right. It's kind of like when Sons of Anarchy started running drugs for the for the biggest Mexican cartel. Uh-huh. I'm like, ah, okay, that's not going to happen. Well, don't ruin it for everyone. Okay, all right. Don't spoil Sons of Anarchy. Well, like you're, I will spo- spoil like it. you're spoiling my podcast right now. Go ahead, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go on to this scene where. We're at the uh, Hayward residence, and James just happens to have a guitar and an amplifier and, like, some microphones, which, are, like, are they cutting a record? What is happening? So, <clears throat> I have yet, I've never watched any episode, and when something happened... Did I ever look at how much time was left in the episode? 
<laughs> Until this Until scene. Until this scene. Mm-hmm. When he yes. started singing, yeah, I went, how much longer am I sitting through this? Yes. Um, it's my least favorite part of the show. Yes. So far. Yes. Um, it's very David Lynchy. Mm-hmm. And I hate it. Yeah. So yeah. it's very much like what is happening is that his voice, why does his voice sound like that? There's too many questions for me. Like, again, why do they have microphones? Um, it's very uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, very. But to get through it, Donna sees James start singing to Maddie and she freaks out. And um, because this is like her kind of, this is all messed up for Donna, right? Like Laura dies, Maddie comes into town and she looks exactly like the girl who her now new boyfriend just lost. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. she's, she's, you know, even if James didn't mean to look at Maddie, like Donna just loses her mind and runs off. And right at that time, she gets a phone call from uh, Mr. Smith. And James is there like, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong? Um, But she's talking on the phone. And Mm -hmm. then this is when we get to see Maddie have this vision of your favorite and mine, Eskimo Joe. coming Mm -hmm. Much older than we think. Coming from the kitchen, crawling over the couch into my brain. Yeah, that was really creepy. He resides permanently. Um, Mm -hmm. What's scarier to you? Bob or James is singing? Hmm. James is singing. So here's the thing about this scene. If you've seen the show before and you know what's coming, you know how creepy it is. This is the hardest thing to watch because you're waiting for that moment and you don't remember when it comes. And the whole time you're waiting, you just are like subjected to this, that song it's just so, so awful. It's not fair. It's, it's not. Uh, um, it, yeah. It's like he sings this song. It's almost like, you know, you know, Nick, you play a flute and like trolls come out. <laughs> Maybe that's like what his voice was. Do you think was. they summoned? They summoned yeah. Bob? <laughs> yeah. His voice, the, the like pitch he, like of if, his voice. If they would have panned back a little bit, it would have been him crawling to pull the plug out of the amplifier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, everyone's a critic, Eskimo Joe. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I can't yeah, wait for I can see that. The outtake of that, where he's just like, guys, he just has a pair of scissors, and you think he's like going to chop up Maddie, but he just cuts the mic. <laughs> oh, no, that's the best fan theory so far. <laughs> um,. But anyway, My other question is, who do you think wrote who do you think wrote that song? Was it Mazzy Star? No, it was David Lynch. Oh, right. so okay. One of the things I found out was that they didn't ask um his name's James Marshall, he's the guy who plays James. What like what key you could sing it. They just wrote it in this key and then recorded it. So he came into the studio and he's like, I can't I can't sing this. This is like so high. So that's why it's kind of weird. 
Mm. Um, and okay. I guess Lynch was like mad and said like, why didn't you tell me you couldn't sing in C? And he's like, that's a really strange thing to tell you. But um doesn't seem like out of character for David Lynch. Uh, hey, hold on. I think Sam just got home, so give me one second. All right. Sorry. Hi. That's, that sucks that you're microwaving your cat. We're not microwaving our cat. It sounded. It sounds like it. Well, good. Keep that in then. But okay, so we, we only have one more scene. By the way, that whole idea of Bob cutting the the um, the the microphone cord is very like scary movie, like uh, that, that is like a full on scary movie joke. <laughs> that would have huh? fit fit right in with scary movie too. It's like uh, yeah, it, it, like <laughs> if they were to do it, it'd definitely be like Marlon Wayans in like yes. a dread wig. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, okay, so moving on, this is the last scene. <clears throat> we're we're kind of in Cooper's dream. We don't know that because like the first thing we see is um, like the giant waving his hand, and then there's just kind of a bunch of things we've already seen. So it's like um, him saying the owls are not what they seem. And then we see Bob uh, at the foot of the bed. And then this time there's like an owl face superimposed over his. Uh, we see the giant. And then we see Sarah Palmer running down the stairs in slow motion. And then there's kind of this final thing of Bob coming into focus, kind of like mugging, like really over the top. Um, and this is when he wakes up to a call from Audrey, um, who's crying. And she says, you know, I'm, I'm in trouble, but I'm going to come home. And uh, right then, Blackie hangs up the phone. Says something about, you know, you have no idea how much trouble you're in. And that's where this episode ends, Dallas. Yeah. um, Yeah. How you doing? Cooper's Dream. I was just trying to think of Cooper's Dream again. Doesn't he see Eskimo Joe in the dream? He does. So where he sees him are, there's that first time that we saw the dream is all a bunch of stuff we've already seen like from the show like um except at the very end we see him again kind of like walking yeah and kind of making this creepy face yeah Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but um the one thing is they say you know that we've heard this line the owls are not what they seem at one point it's the vision of that sarah had of him at the foot of the bed and like there's an owl face over his um that's like the only. Uh, that's kind of the only new thing we see, other than that very end thing of him kind of moving towards the camera. Um, gotcha. Sorry. Did you know that if you try to microwave a cat, they meow a lot. They do I, not. I like don't it. know. I don't know if they do. I don't think they meow. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah. So all in all, here's my take about this episode. You're done. Oh, man. When that song started, I'm telling you, Sean. <laughs> you didn't finish the episode. No, I did. But Thank you, everyone, for being a part of our podcast. It's now over. <laughs> I'm just going was... to play a loop of James Hurley singing Just You and I as long as iTunes oh. will let me go. It was, it was just the weirdest part of anything it made me like it, it's it's those little scenes that happen where I like it makes me remember all the things I hate about David Lynch, <laughs> and I'm like, golly, yeah, it's just bad. It was bad. I I but, mean, you know, it's one of those things where for different people, I I appreciate this episode a lot, and while 
I hate listening to him sing. I think it kind of in a way sets up how scary and creepy that moment is. Um, so, you know, hey. No, there was parts. There was parts of this episode I enjoyed. I so think there's, not... there's moments that I don't like, but they're there almost <clears throat> for a reason. Um, yeah. And maybe that's part of it. But um, it's a great episode. Episode two of season two, Coma. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, check it. Check I, it out. I look forward to uh, coming back soon. Hopefully, hopefully sooner than. I think. Month. Yeah, I think we can do that. We can make that happen for sure. We, we got an email. I wanted to give a shout out to a, a gentleman named John Bernardi who sent us an email, and he said that he was uh, listening to and appreciating the podcast. So, thank you, John. Uh, Thanks, thank, John. Thank you to any of you who are still hanging out with us. Um, yeah. I do get people every once in a while that come up to me and they're like, when are you going to do another one? We're, and they're like, we're probably, I'm probably going to go ahead of you. And I'm like, that's fine. I get it. <laughs> John had a great quote. He said, um, he said, he, he said he appreciated the Daniel Tiger song we threw in to your pilot part two episode, which I have forgotten that we did that. He said, I've got two three-year-olds myself. And I figured the only time these shows would cross paths is where I heard dad tiger say nice day for a picnic, but you proved me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so if nothing else what our podcast did was bring together the worlds of daniel tiger and twin peaks that's you if, know what and that's we all never, we should have done we can end right here <laughs> we, most people don't know that daniel tiger is not actually a continuation of mr rogers but of twin peaks and yeah daniel that's... tiger is a continuation <laughs> dad tiger is major briggs <laughs> it's actually a prequel and daniel tiger is bobby miss elena is obviously shelly yeah, and uh, Baker Acre is Ed. Oh, dude, I think that we're gonna. I think I'm gonna make Dish in the Perch or Dish in the Perch, Dish in the Percolator merch, and it's yeah. just gonna be a T-shirts of Bobby and Shelly that say Shelby. <laughs> I think that's gonna be my contribution to the Twin Peaks world. Yeah, that and uh, Eskimo Joe <laughs> cutting, cutting the cord. Cutting the cord. <laughs> oh man, this was a blast. Thanks, Dallas. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. And tell the tell the folks how they can get in touch with us. Please don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you can you can send us a nice email like John did. Uh, percolatorpod at gmail You can tweet us at percolatorpod. Um, you can visit our website, which is www.dishinthepercolator.com. Yeah, and if you're listening on iTunes and stuff, uh, oh, leave a what? yeah. I was gonna say we don't have any reviews. We don't have yeah. any likes. I don't know how. To, I don't. But like, if you have the time, give us a star. Give us a bunch of stars. Yeah, do it. It, ma- it makes it seem there's a lot of. Uh, one thing that John mentioned, there's a lot of these podcasts, and I think people will end up listening to one that has the most reviews. So even if we just had a couple <laughs> of them, yeah, I think that would help with the legitimacy. So if you get a chance, and you can be honest, you can give us one star if you hate it. I would understand, but um. If you if you have the time, please review, give us a review. We we would love that. Be awesome. Thank you so much for uh, for all of you listening for taking the time in Dallas. Thank you. Thank you, t- buddy. Taking time out of your schedule to talk Twin Peaks with me. Always. We'll see you next week. Okay, buddy. Bye bye. Me. Dig that, Kurtz. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't 
Let yourself be heard this time. Then I saw your face. Then I saw your smile. The sky is still blue. The clouds come and go. Yet something is different. Are we falling in love? Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't. Let yourself be hurt this time. Then your kiss so soft, then your touch so warm. The stars still shine bright, the mountains still high. Yet something is different. Yes, something is different now. The guitar came in. I feel like I'm floating. Floating above a keyboard and a guitar. A guitar. Are we falling in love? Falling. Falling. Are we falling in love? That's the ketchup. I like coffee. Donuts. <laughs> Russ Tamblin.